0: Welcome to Out of Curiosity, our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick, this is Garland, and uh, in this episode we want to talk about the issue of gender and, uh, and how gender relates to biological sex and what the culture is saying about these issues. So um, to start us off, Garland, kind of set the cultural climate. What, what is being said broadly in Western culture about the issue of gender right now? Yeah, it, it's uh,
1: it's been a, a cultural shift even in the last couple of decades and especially over the last few years. Just just for terminology's sake, for sure. people listening to this that maybe are unfamiliar, uh, kind of the cultural um, language that's being used is sex. The word sex defines the biological parts that I was given at birth. Right. OK, Uh And gender is a construct that society has adopted. Mm -hmm. Gender is fluid. Gender is flexible. Gender essentially is masculinity and femininity. So the simple way to think of it is sex is male or female Mm -hmm. parts, like sex organs. Uh And gender is masculinity or femininity. And uh, then our culture will wade into that with uh,
0: a whole host of different ways. So the, the current cultural question is, is gender attached to sex. Correct. Does your biological correct plumbing at birth attached to whether you are male or female in masculine, masculine, how you gender. how you express that particular
1: construct. I was actually sitting at uh, a coffee shop here just the other day. Li- over, you know, I was listening in on some of the baristas talking and one of them was pregnant. She was talking about hoping to have a boy and uh, you know why she wanted to have a boy and all these different reasons. And one of the other baristas just yells out from across the coffee shop, gender's a construct. And so just, just for people listening to this that haven't, you know, maybe aren't engaging this in our culture, that's the current way that most people, at least on the street level, are thinking.
0: And even that anecdote shows people feel strongly enough about it that somebody overhearing another person's conversation about their child felt that they needed to weigh in. And there was no objection. Everybody went, oh, well, yeah, of course, well, of, of course, course, of course. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's, so that's,
1: the sea, that's, that's the air we're breathing out there in the culture. Right, okay. Okay, so then what does the Bible
0: have to say about this issue? Right. About gender?
1: Well, once again, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapters 1 and 2 to begin to, to form an answer to this question. And uh, one of the principal doctrines that we see in our Bible is this creation of mankind in God's image. And uh, we see that in Genesis chapter one, 26 and 27, and we're gonna see a couple of principles birthed out of this, these two verses, Genesis chapter one. First, and this is really important, and I hope, I hope that this is common knowledge now in the Christian community, but maybe it's not. The first thing we're gonna see is that it says, God made them in his image, he made man. Now most translations are gonna translate that as man. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes from the Hebrew word Adam, And it is clear in Genesis chapter 1 that the Adam, which is where we're going to get the name Adam, that this word Adam is reflective of male and female. Okay, so there's there's not gender attached to that verse. To be made in God's image is male and female. There is something about both of those that are made in God's image. I was listening to uh, uh, one of our professors speaking about this the other day, and uh, this professor said that uh in you know, unpacking this in class, a female student came up and said, I never knew that women were made in God's image. Wow. I always thought and, and with tears, with tears in wow. her eyes, I always thought that we were that men were made in God's image. Men were made to reflect God and we were made to come along beside that. And so that's 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 huge. Shocking so, to me that that, that I mean I, I take that for granted. I take it for granted too, but that's why we even speak of it here. We need to be clear that God made Adam, mankind, in his image. So we have We have equality of personhood. That's something we have to establish first. Then secondly, male and female, he created them. We might say distinction. There is something different, something that is different about males and females, and it is attached to our biology. Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve have different biological parts, and they are this next point, our third point we pick up in Genesis chapter 2. So at the end of chapter one, we can say there is something about being made in God's image that is equal, that is unified in this Mm -hmm. picture of man and woman, but is also distinct. There's something distinct about men and women. When we look at Genesis chapter two, this this little word that uh, uh, is is tucked away in there, it says, he made a helper. Mm -hmm. And then the word that comes in Genesis chapter two, verse 17 and 18, he made a helper corresponding to or suitable to. The word in Hebrew is this word that, that carries with it the idea of sitting face to face. Okay, It literally has the idea of like sitting and looking at each other face to face. Oftentimes it's translated as corresponding to. Okay, The man, males, there's something that's expressing, that, that needs to be expressed in femininity, that's expressed in females, that sits corresponding to, that mirrors, that that completes the picture. What we may say is there's community involved there's relational there's relationship involved what does it mean to be made in the image of god is a difficult question to answer biblically what is the image of god right well, the bible doesn't actually come back later and say this is what it means expressly to be made in the image of god we can ask the question what does it look like to be made in the image of god and one of those things that we get to see is Humans are made for relationship. They're made mm-hmm. to correspond to one another. And just before we leave Genesis and talk about the broader questions of gender, uh, this word that's translated for us, helper, right. oftentimes uh, this carries baggage. Yeah, sure. Men are made to lead. They're made first. They're made uh, preeminently. And then he needs somebody to come along and help him to right. kind of do the stuff he wants to do. And, yeah, God made a w- uh, woman. right male's the the view is the men are the primary actors. Right. And he needs somebody to come along and an with assistant help. And that is a that is a, a a miss I think of what Moses is trying to communicate. And it, we actually can see this because the narrative shows all these different animals and creatures brought to him and none of them can do it. None of them can mm-hmm. correspond to him mm-hmm. in a way that reflects the image of God. The word that's translated helper is this Hebrew word etzer. And this word more often than anyone else in the Bible that that word is used of, it's used of God. It carries with it the, the concept of, of rescuing, of, of hmm. delivering, of, mm-hmm. of helping. And so uh, one, one commentator, his name is Robert Chisholm says, the best way to think of it is an indispensable companion. Wow. So God made an indispensable companion. When you read the narrative, it's almost as if the the, the female is the hero hero of Genesis chapter 2. You go, man, no one can suit him. No one can. Now here we have woman. And so the picture as we leave Genesis chapter 2 is male and female, naked without any shame, corresponding to. Like me, but not me. Like me, but not me. And so there's a unity in that both are equally made in God's image. But then there's a distinction, like me, but not
0: me. So there's a fundamental, I think, principle there that's, I think, going to be really important for the rest of this discussion that you seem to be drawing out. That equality of value is not the same thing as complete sameness or identity. Correct. The Two things can be different Mm -hmm. and still be equal in value. Right. There is something about maleness and femaleness
1: that is corresponding to, that sits across the table from each other, and those two together make a beautiful picture. Uh, All all humans seem to have this innate desire to be loved, valued, known fully, Mm -hmm. and then accepted. And when you look at Genesis 2.25, they were both naked and without shame. The the, the picture I think Moses is drawing for us is, look at the vulnerability, the intimacy, the connection. Look Mm -hmm. at the, this is like me, but not me. Look at this picture put together perfectly. And so uh, that's, that's the idea when we leave Genesis 1 and 2 of what God has wired in humanity. Male and female, corresponding to each other. And there is something beautiful about that compliment that those, two, mm. that those two bring to each
0: other. This is really intuitive to us when we talk about race. Correct. That to say that races are equal, the answer is not to flatten racial differences. Right, actually, correct. Actually to value, to value them. racial differences. That's actually how we celebrate mm-hmm. equality. So you're saying in, in the Genesis account, the same thing said about gender. Correct. That the differences are actually what make both genders valuable Correct. and cherished and equal right I forgot okay, cool so that 's what we get in Genesis one and two. Um, so how does when we talk about this question of gender, how does that play out throughout, right. throughout scripture and how we get to the practical implications because nothing 's actually said about what makes maleness male right and what makes femaleness female, masculinity femininity it 's not defined for us in Genesis 1 and 2. What do we get as we, we play that out? And this, this is fascinating to me. Very little. OK. Very little.
1: Uh, when The picture that we've just established in Genesis 1 and 2, and then what are attributes of masculinity or femininity? What does that look like? The scripture will speak to that almost with
0: silence. Well, but now I can imagine some people objecting and going, Bull, no, that, that that's not true. Scripture clearly portrays men as leaders, mm-hmm. as warriors, as the ones in charge. And it shows women as behind the scenes, taking orders, serving men. They, they might argue, isn't that clearly how Bible portrays the Bible portrays gender? Mm-hmm how would you respond to that so first and foremost
1: uh and we'll pick this up on a subsequent podcast what takes place in genesis chapter three what we call the fall as Mm -hmm. as human rebellion and sin enters into the equation is going to fracture and mar what god has has wired for us in genesis chapter one and two so we'll we'll, and we'll address that at a later later podcast uh what's fascinating to me as i look at the scripture is let's take for example let's take for example uh and by the way what you're articulating i think tends to be our cultural script. Men are leaders designed for impact. Men are to be aggressive. And women are to be soft and compassionate and designed to follow. The picture Uh, of the man is the warrior. The picture of the woman is the mom. Correct. And that, as you look at almost any, just take our culture now, take any, even in the church, any men's retreat right the promo video for that or the promo poster for that is almost always going to be from it's going to be a clip of braveheart or a clip of band of brothers or 300 or something like that it's going to be warrior guys that are like really ripped in their physique and they're out and they're going into battle together and any women's retreat video or promo is usually going to have like flowers and like a picnic table and we're going to go get pedicures together and what i think we're oftentimes doing is we are inadvertently walking in cultural script right but maybe not what the bible lays out here's a good case in point if you were to if you were to just line out as attributes Mm -hmm. the fruit of the spirit yep love galatians chapter 5 love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control my bet is that most of those attributes, most of those qualities, we would assign to feminine, yep. gentleness, joy, peace. Where's aggression? Yep. Where's power? Where's leadership? Right. Those words aren't in there. And just on that simple exercise, I think that we have to have a little bit broader category for what is masculinity and femininity because Paul is saying this is how the Spirit, this is what the Spirit produces in the life of a believer. These things. And gentleness is on that list. And so uh, we have to be careful distinguishing between cultural scripts of masculinity or femininity and what the Bible has to say. The Bible is giving us a beautiful complement between male and female in Genesis 1 and 2. And then it is very, it it gives us very little as to what that looks like in the rest of the scripture.
0: And I've struggled with that because I think in the church sometimes we reinforce an an unbiblical cultural script. Mm-hmm. And so as a guy who um, who I, I'm not really drawn to camping and hunting and uh, and killing things, I'm I would much rather be playing my guitar, or reading a book. I've I've struggled with. Does that mean I'm not? um a really masculine guy right and what does that mean and i actually will hear some teaching on manhood and what it means Mm -hmm. to become a guy that would actually contradict that Mm -hmm. what what do do you do
1: with that and this gets really difficult so i have three kids i got a my oldest is a boy then i have two daughters and then you've got a daughter um and so even in parenting what Mm -hmm. do we how do we navigate this uh i think what's interesting to me is if you look at king david in our old testament warrior king leader impact and oftentimes uh this, this cultural script of masculinity will grab onto those aspects of David. Yep. But we also see a uh, poet, mm-hmm. uh, musician, yep. uh, dancing before God in yep. delight and joy. Weeping. Weeping, crying. And oftentimes uh, when I think if we use our cultural script, we go, David, you need to be more of a man in these moments. And those are some of the things, the very things that make him a man after God's own heart.
0: It distinguished him from all the other warriors Absolutely. who were abusers Absolutely. and all kinds of horrible
1: things. Same thing, if you take, if you look at Deborah, in the book of Judges, she's the, the courageous leader, leading God's people in deliverance. And so the simple idea we're trying to, to get across here is, we want to be really careful in bringing cultural script to bear yeah. about gender, what is masculinity and femininity, mm-hmm. and maybe not biblical script, or maybe we want to be careful not to equate the two, yep. that what 21st century Southern culture says is male and female, mm-hmm is what the bible says there is something unique about male and female wired into and corresponding to our biology that god has wired for human goodness and for his glory it images the lord yeah what that exactly looks like we we're not entirely sure. We know that it is deeper than just our sex organs. Right. It involves our relationships. It involves our capacity to love and be loved. It involves our ability to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. And it involves our ability to lead and to follow and to nurture. But how that works itself out in 21st century American culture, sometimes we bring too much of our culture to bear. And it's a helpful, uh, it's a helpful thing for us to step back and look at Scripture versus what we see in our culture.
0: Does that mean... I'm wondering, does that mean that the the, the the kind of ways we define gender culture are completely up for grabs? I mean, is there, is, are, are there any boundaries on that? And, you know, I even think, uh, you know, if I'm thinking totally stereotypically, if I put a, a, a group of women around a table and let them talk for an hour. Mm-hmm. And I put a group of men around a table and let them talk for an hour. Those conversations are going to play out stereotypically very differently, differently. Very yeah. differently. You think.
1: Um, and they almost, that, by the way, they almost always do. Almost always yeah, do.
0: Yeah. Is that purely a cultural construct? Mm-hmm. Should we actively flaunt that? Is that, is that what, it, or should we actively go against that? Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the role? Is, is that healthy? Um, yeah. are, are there any boundaries? How do we, how do we navigate that? I think it's interesting that you bring even that example up. Uh,
1: that may indeed be part of how God wired our genders to be different. Yep. Uh, I don't have a clear passage where the Bible says, men like to talk about sports <laughs> right. and women like to talk about feelings. Yep. I, I don't see that at all. In fact, David is maybe the most feely guy in the Bible. Right. And uh, he's also the warrior. And so um, that may be very well expressing. And we can, we can articulate some distinction yep. um, between male and female, just in common sense. Um, and so that, that is helpful, I think, to your question, When the Apostle Paul is facing a very similar issue with his church that he had planted in the city of Corinth in ancient Greece, we almost see this question come up. Here's what's what's happening. There are some cultural scripts in Corinth in his day that are getting confused in the church. Mm -hmm. There are things that men are doing that is making it confusing for an outsider. They're they're living in a way culturally that we may say is so far Mm -hmm. feminine, that Paul says, Hey, be careful. Let's, let's be careful here. Cause it's going to cause confusion when people come in. Now that is something going on in the first century world of Paul's day. And I do think that, that maybe by principle, there are, there are ways in our culture now. So th- there are ways that masculinity and femininity, you may blur those things so much so that we would be, we would be, we'd be articulating that there is no distinction. Right. And so the Bible is not saying we're Androgynous is just one thing. There's no maleness, no femaleness. It's it's not affirming that. It is affirming distinction. The point we're trying to just simply get across is what exactly that distinction is. We need to be careful. And it's not just maybe carrying a shotgun and
0: enjoying sports.
1: It might be different uh, and maybe a little bit more nuanced. We need to be okay with
0: that. And what I think I hear you saying, you talk about the idea of confusion. So probably where, if if I'm hearing you right, please contradict this, where the Bible would draw a line. Is when the way we're choosing to live out our gender actually intentionally flips the script. Yes. Intentionally says, "I am choosing as as a male. I'm choosing to do things so that you will see me as female." Correct. That's where that would line that line would be. And 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 like I said on another question earlier, we're going to address this in another
1: podcast later. We have to have such sensitivity mm-hmm. um, for this particular topic because in in discussing gender confusion and gender issues in our culture these are there's real human beings like that have real uh issues and have really walked through uh pain and difficulty in their life and oftentimes they receive intense um dislike they receive and they go through life oftentimes being made fun of being picked on being bullied and so we want to be really careful i think to your question absolutely i do think the bible would be affirming it seems to be what paul is saying to try to present
0: opposite of the gender, that is corresponding to the gender that you were given, would be inappropriate. And what I'm also hearing you saying is maybe we can lift some of the pressure by not making every preference an all or nothing deal on gender. Correct. And so if, if I'm a guy who grows up just loving dance or whatever might be kind of a southern western stereotypical feminine thing. Right. I don't have to have an existential crisis about my gender. Correct. We don't have to load everything that way. The irony is, it seems as if, even in our modern
1: kind of our, our current modern culture, the community that is affirming that gender is totally fluid, you can choose your gender, then jumps right back into cultural scripts about gender,
0: right. oftentimes. <laughs> and so they and make so, it really, really—they actually don't have any, right.
1: So we we we're almost placing categories and boxes around this that the Bible doesn't doesn't necessarily place, and we just want to be careful with that. I do find it interesting that in a culture at large that denies that God has created humanity, that humans are simply evolved primates, we are nothing more than DNA, essentially. Uh, I find it interesting that we have now Created a concept, basically called the, my immaterial soul part, my who I am, my identity part, and then we we able to then choose that. And I, it's a subsequent question of how 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 is where does that arise mm-hmm. in our culture to say my sex organs are this, uh, I'm a DNA replication, replicating machine, and yet there's this greater thing called my my essence, my being. It sounds a lot like a soul. Sounds, it like, sounds an like they're soul. borrowing. From the Christian worldview, and so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in another podcast. But it's just an interesting question for our culture that I might lodge out, lobby out there
0: to, to, to the, the greater culture at large. And something helpful, I think you just point out that's ironic to me that. Some of the gender discussion happens right now doesn't, be, doesn't come from a broad view. It actually comes from too narrow a view Correct. of gender. Yes. If you're outside these boundaries, then you're, you're clearly not expressing masculinity. You, you must doing, be a girl. You must, you be, must something be a guy. Other. Right. And you're actually suggesting maybe the boxes need to be a little bit less hard
1: in a lot of areas. Some of the, of the things lines. that Deborah is doing look awfully masculine. Yep. And some of the things that some of the characters in the Bible do and
0: look, some of the male characters look awfully feminine. And so the, it's a much uh, more nuanced conversation around. Okay, well, I think this was really helpful, brought some clarity and raised a whole lot more questions. Yeah, Which we will address <laughs> which in the we'll podcast. podcast. So this is an exciting begin to the conversation. So hey, thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity, as we discuss what the Bible says about gender roles. We encourage you to look into this for yourself even more and recommend looking in Scripture at Genesis 1 and 2 and 1 Corinthians 11:2 2-6. We also recommend the books Doctrine of Humanity by Charles Sherlock and Sexual Ethics by Stanley Grantz. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to OOCuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at OOCuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.